Don't call it a comb back I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab girl? my glasses, I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. Is this for real? Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. What's your name? My name? Yeah. It's spelled arrest me or go f*** yourself. This is the Press Box. We've been raided. With Doug Douglas and Adam Candy. Yep, those are their names. It's Saturday night and you've got the graveyard shift. What do I find if I stop at Frisky's Soup Dog? Unless that warrant says you can stick your hand in my pocket, you're going to find yourself in a conversation about illegal search and seizure. On ESPN Las Vegas. Welcome to a Wednesday beautiful day. Insomnia Radio as Jared and I both... For different, totally different reasons. Not a lot of sleep last night, but luckily we've got the well-rested Adam Candy ready to lead us through the next three hours. Adam, how are you doing today? That is making one broad-based assumption, uh, Mr. Douglas, but uh, you know what? I can live up to it. Let's do this. I like it. I like the confidence. Well, Jared says he's got some fun right off the bat, so Jared, take it away. All right, Jared. Come on now. The first bite. Did we learn anything yesterday about the NBA? <laughs> so, all right, guys, here's my premise. I'm going to, well, all right, not my premise. Here's what we're doing. I'm going to throw out a premise and some information, and then you guys are going to grade what you think based on that premise. Does everyone understand how this is going to so, go? So, Jared, for the, for the listeners, are we doing blind resumes here? Not not blind no i'm just i'm literally going to list off information and then okay, you're going we're to react to it oh i love oh, judging okay. others i love judging others jared okay all right so the first premise the lakers and palinka are they playing 2k while everybody else is playing checkers or is this the malone payton lakers reborn because they've signed carmelo anthony kaylin horton <laughs> tucker um Kendrick Nunn, Malik Monk, they traded for Russell Westbrook. They signed the Dap Master himself, Kent Bazemore, and they brought in Wayne Ellington and Trevor Ariza. How do you, where do you fall on the premise? Okay, so there's a question in this premise, uh, which means that I'm, I'm going to have trouble just giving it a straight grade. But what I will say is that uh, the Lakers and Palinka are more toward the Malone Peyton Lakers reborn than toward the playing 2K, unless they're playing 2K in 2K, because then they're <laughs> hoping that these guys still have the basketball ability that they did in the year 2000. Uh, the moves they made yesterday, uh, there are some that are okay. There are some shooters in there, which is the one thing that we said the Lakers needed to go and find. And so that's all right. And if you believe that Talon Horton Tucker has another level to go up to, fantastic. Good for Talon Horton Tucker, who, who has played himself into a usable piece. Frankly, and I can't believe I'm saying this, as a jaded Knicks fan who is still mad that Carmelo Anthony killed Lynn Sanity, I think Carmelo Anthony might be among the best moves that they've made this oh. offseason. I think Carmelo actually fits what they need really well. Carmelo still has that instant offense three-point game to him, and that is really what we're talking about here, right, Doug? We're talking about the Lakers, for the most part, building up a decent second unit, building up a decent bench, because when you 
think that crunch time is going to be Westbrook and AD and LeBron and whoever the other chosen two are, for the most part, these moves are about surviving when the uh, inevitable injuries hits or when those guys are resting. Yeah, I got to agree with you. I will. And given all of that, you actually influenced me. I was going a B minus, but I'm going to give it a B plus because even though we were making fun of the Lakers yesterday on the age of some of their signings and that age did not exactly uh, drop with uh, <laughs> with they Carmella. got older as they aged. Yes, exactly. They actually got older. But still, you know what? If you're going to go all in, lean into the curve. That's the whole thing. And the Lakers are doing that. And basically, they're saying, hey, you know, we're getting some players here. And you know what they're chasing? They're chasing that one ring, you know, Carmelo, or for some of them. Some of them already have multiple rings. But, you know, I think that they're going to, each player is going to know what is expected from them. And now that they have, like you said, you know, they've got the shooting, they've got some instant offense, and it doesn't have to be out there. Any piece does not have to be out there for a long, long time so they can also pace themselves throughout the season. So, I, you know, that's that's above average work there, I think, now. B yeah, and they, plus. And look, they had very little room to work with once you factor in the Russell Westbrook contract with paying LeBron, with paying Anthony Davis. Like they had to work within their means after giving away uh, Kyle Kuzma and trading away KCP. But look, uh, you know, we joke about Wayne Ellington and we should honestly, we should joke about Wayne Ellington because, you know, <laughs> there's not a lot left to the game. He's a grown man named point. Wayne. But the one thing that he has left point. is shooting. The one thing that he has left is. Wayne Ellington is a 43% career three-point shooter. Carmelo Anthony is a 41% career three-point shooter. Like we said yesterday that they had to add someone who could shoot the basketball, and that's exactly what they're doing. They have put that around uh, around LeBron James, who is going to be their creator, around Russell Westbrook, who is still averaging 10 assists per game. I'm not telling you I think that this team is off to the races, but that being said, the age, as Doug mentioned, is something that you have to at least be aware of. I'm not saying it's the end of this team, uh, but you have to know that there are, the skill sets are what they are, and you're not going to have a lot of growth in there unless you're talking about maybe you think there's another level in there for Taylor Horton Tucker and uh, three years, $32 million for THT. I, there's no way they sign off on that deal without LeBron saying, yeah, I think that this is something we need to do. You got a grade for me or you're going with your original answer? Well, you gave me a premise that had two ideas, so uh, grading it means I got to grade both. Uh, Malone, Peyton, Lakers, Reborn gets a B. B. Playing 2K while everyone else is playing checkers gets a D. D. <laughs> and don't Fair buy enough. Don't buy any jerseys with names on the back and expect them to be there four years from now, or even maybe two years from now. Next premise: Bulls and the Spurs. Are the Bulls now playoff bound in a week east, or did the Spurs just pick their pocket? The Bulls. Jared. Oh, go ahead. Jared, Jared. You keep giving us either or and then asking for a grade, sir. No, We're I'm going saying to need... total grade. Like you have, you you argue the premise and then you give a total grade at the end for all each right, individual all team. Right. All right. I, I I I will bend to your will. Go on. What what happened yesterday with the Bulls and the Spurs? The Bulls sign did a sign and trade for Demar Derozan. They did a sign-in tray for Lonzo Ball and then gave him $85 million. Somebody, Something called an Alex Corso signed for four years. and 30 Alex Caruso, my God, you rube. 
four years, thirty-seven million, and then they got Zach Levine Whee! and Nikolai Vuc. Mm, I always screwed this up, even though he's on my fantasy Vucevic, team. Vucevic. Vucevic. Okay, we're we're humming. We're humming here. Uh, what did the Spurs do? They got Thad Young in a first, two seconds, something called a Jack Landell, Doug McDermott, who I was surprised to learn was still in the yes, league, that is and Zach Collins. Shout out to uh, local product Zach Collins. Uh, this is not the contract that we thought Zach Collins would get initially, but have to realize the guy's basically coming off two consecutive seasons of being injured. Are the Bulls contenders in a weak East? Absolutely not. Um, there are a lot of things to try to figure out about how these pieces all fit together because they made the trade for Vucevic at the deadline, gave up a bunch of pieces in that, starting with Wendell Carter. Zach Levine's a scorer, and we know he can fill up the cup with just about anybody. Um, DeRozan will be interesting. DeMar DeRozan's probably the biggest name of all of these guys, and DeMar DeRozan is a player who has in his career largely shown to need to be a complimentary piece. Uh, one good thing I can say for him, uh, according to stats from, uh, from Matt Moore at hardwood uh, paroxysm online, the Twitter, he says that the stats show DeMar DeRozan, the second most efficient pick and roll player in the NBA behind Kawhi Leonard. And in today's NBA, you need to be able to play the pick and roll of DeMar DeRozan running that, my question is, who does he run it with on this team? I'm not sure where you're uh, where you're getting the big performance. Lonzo Ball, look, Lonzo Ball gets a lot of crap because of the way things worked out with his dad, and the three point shooting has picked up for Lonzo Ball. That's the thing that has been most fascinating about watching the career because we started watching Lonzo and the shot just looked broke, like broke broke for Lonzo Ball. But the three-point percentage has gone up from his rookie year, 31% three-point shooter, to last year, a 38% three-point shooter. And with the rest of the skill set he brings as a defender, I think you can look at this and say, is it an overpay? Yeah, it's a bit of an overpay, but Chicago got a good player here in Lonzo Ball. And Alex Caruso, uh, first of all, the most important thing you need to know about Alex Caruso is that if you haven't seen his ads for Manscaped, Go find them on YouTube because Alex Caruso says all of the tongue-in-cheek awful things that you never want to have to remember when you look at Alex Caruso about a product that is used for male grooming uh, in these ads that you ever could never want. And you probably should see it because if I have to live with it, you have to live with it. But Alex Caruso has some ability as a second unit guard. Four years, $37 million. I don't love the term on it, but under $10 million is not terrible so are they contenders no I, I just don't think you can look at what's in the east there with the nets and with the bucks and with still what the sixers have left before a ben simmons trade and the pacers coming back the hawks coming back i i don't know that you look at this bulls team and say that they're any better than a top six or seven team they spent a lot of money to get there yeah but if they, but does that make you a contender because you're in the playoffs I mean, what what is your thing? What is your definition of contender, Jared? No, that's I, I genuinely like. Did they just pay to become pl a playoff team? Right to get out of the lottery. Like they just gave <laughs> away a first and what two seconds. Then in, in that order case, to... I'll give them an A because I think they did. <laughs> a. I mean, that's that's what it is. All right. Uh, quickly, so, well, let's get oh, to sorry. the 
quickly to the Spurs side of this because uh, I just want to give a little bit of love to the local product, Zach Collins, who I still think has a pretty decent NBA future in front of him. This is just his second contract uh, for Zach Collins. Um, Jared, you'll enjoy this part. Yes, I did ref his games in high school. Oh, um, we'll get to stuff like that. Yeah, lock on in. But uh, Dougie, McBuckets, Dougie McBuckets is still a 39% three-point shooter on his career. He's he's a guy that I think fits the Spurs fairly well uh, overall, former number 11 pick in the drafts. So did the Spurs fleece them? No, the Spurs didn't fleece them, but getting a first out of that deal uh, in a sign-and-trade is still pretty good value. So I'll give the Spurs a B+. Plus. Ooh. B+. Plus. I'll give the Bulls a B minus. B minus. We are off and running. We are going to keep grading my weird premises and discussing them in a way that makes absolutely zero sense. Wait, I get to do on. the Spurs. Give them an incomplete, not incomplete. enough data. All right. All right. Well, we, well, I'll tell you what we are going to do. We're going to take a short little break because Jared has to get a few more buttons in case we go deeper into our grading scheme. And we'll come back with more with on the press box. Adam Candy, Doug Douglas filling in for Tyler and Ed. Him being here, I think, has brought the best out of Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy's a, uh, a big time competitor. And, uh, you know, we haven't played a game yet, but in practice in the off season and in practice in training camp thus far, he's playing his best football since he's been here. And he's played a lot of good football. You just look at his record. And so um, people say, well, what do you do if they're both playing great? That's a great, another great problem to have. And, and we'll deal with that when it comes. This is the Press Box with Doug Douglas and Adam Candy. That was 49ers GM John Lynch talking about, yes, yesterday, Trey Lance taking some first team reps. Up in Ninerland. Adam, your thoughts. Fast reaction. No grades. We don't have to worry about that. Jared's not in charge. No. Well, we knew Jared wasn't in charge. But uh, Trey Lance taking first team reps is uh, Mahomes-like. Um, there are plenty of things that remind you about the game of Mahomes for Trey Lance. And if he's already getting snaps at the first team with a guy who took a team to the Super Bowl, to what should have been a Super Bowl win, just a couple of years ago, um, then I believe what Andrew Brandt uh, posted on Twitter, the former Packers GM, who said, if you want the GM's interpretation of that quote that John Lynch just put out there about Jimmy Garoppolo playing his best football, the GM's interpretation is, someone please make me an offer for Jimmy Garoppolo um, to trade for Jimmy G. Like, that might have been a coded message to Chris Ballard in Indianapolis to say, if you're trying to replace Carson Wentz, come get jimmy garoppolo because we have that kind of confidence in trey lance well speaking of indy though philip rivers says he is now staying ready and he won't close the door on a possible nfl return is that a good band-aid perhaps for the colts yeah i mean it could be but philip rivers is talking i think more about saying if someone wants help down the stretch i think he wants to pull the old roger clemens and kind of come back mid-season and just play as long as he feels like playing uh, Doug, I don't think that uh, that Philip Rivers has any choice but to stay ready. He has nearly double-digit children running around that house. Yes. I think he has to stay ready at all times for all things because just about anything could happen in the Rivers house on any given day. Um, the one team that I hope that he will keep his, uh, his eyes open for is if somehow the New York Giants make a run uh, without... Uh, without Daniel Jones, who, of course, was caught at the bottom of a pile in a melee 
yesterday as the New York Giants uh, took the whole idea of showing some fight a little bit too far. Um, Jared, Jared, what what audio do you have here? Because I'm fascinated by uh, the depths of depression I could be taken to by hearing the Je- Joe Judge and the Giants talk. All right. Well, we'll start off with just Daniel Jones describing uh, the training camp fight. All right. We were kind of at the bottom of the pile there in that fight. Uh, what happened? What made you want to go running like uh, We're just, just competing, and uh, everyone's excited. First day of pads, get out there. We've got to do a better job, uh, you know, controlling that and, and making sure we're uh, controlled in our enthusiasm and excitement. Were you, I mean, down at the bottom of the pile with 90 grown men around you like that? Were you, I mean, what were you thinking? Uh, I was fine. Yeah, I was all good. No problem. He was scared. Grown men. Grown men. I like that the person had. What? <laughs> As they opposed to, you had you had ninety Chihuahuas jump on top of Jeez. you, Daniel Jones, and you're like, well, it felt wonderful. Um, so, okay, all right. There's there's our first one uh, from Daniel Jones. Uh, my initial thought is Eli Manning would never. Uh, Eli Manning would never have found himself at the bottom of that pile. Daniel Jones is trying to show off. Daniel Jones is trying to prove something to his teammates and show that he's a tough guy. Um, but, uh, Jared, I, I would assume you probably have Joe Judge's reaction to tough guys somewhere in there. Uh, no, I have Daniel Jones's uh, reaction to co- to uh, Joe Judge's reaction. I have the All reaction right. to the reaction. The reaction to the reaction. Fire it. What was Joe's message? Uh, yeah, there's consequences for that kind of stuff, and that's the way it is in a game. You know, if, you're, if you lose your cool, there's consequences, and that hurts the team. So that was the message, and I think everyone understands that. Gassers. 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 So, first of all, question about, did, was Daniel Jones interviewed at a construction site oh, or, they, or or perhaps inside a very busy target? Because there, there were lots of beeps and dings and all sorts of strange things going on in there. Uh, I don't know what's happening at Giants camp. but uh, That's from d- the official, like, Giants, like, feed. Oh, I, I believe you. I believe you. Doug, um... <sighs> What do you think about this idea of athletes kind of trying to prove something to their teammates? Like Daniel Jones trying to prove something by running in there and getting in the middle of a fight that really didn't have anything to do with him. It ended up involving all the players on the team. But like, do do you think that sends a message to the rest of the team or do you think that's just fake tough guy stuff? No, I think sometimes it amazingly enough does send a message, not always the correct message, but I think it's still a very much a... uh, you have to show me that you're tough sometimes. And let's be honest, uh, quarterbacks sometimes, uh, pretty much always punters and kickers with the exception of a few in league history, you know, sometimes they, they need to, they, they're in that room and on those buses and planes and sometimes they just want to be, all right, you don't think I, uh, you don't think I'm tough? Here, I'll show you. So I think sometimes it can inspire. I don't know what it can do, inspire on the first day of, pads in training camp i think you have to pick and choose your moments a little bit better and i think this moment might not have been the best time yeah i i agree with that because the alternate outcome to this is daniel jones gets his shoulder bent the wrong way at the bottom (laughs) of this pile and the giants are essentially done for the year before they start now i think what you do if you're daniel jones and you want to do what you just said and prove something uh, the first time that you get a lineman, like a defensive lineman or an edge guy who comes and brushes you when you're wearing that fancy red jersey that says no contact, you, you know, you, you chest up to him a little yes. bit and you shove him a little bit and you wait for your offensive lineman to come in there and break the whole thing up. But you show that Philip Rivers kind of fire. That's sort of like, you know, gosh, dang it, you're not going to mess with me. 
Nope, it's pick and choose, and he picked a very bad time that could have been catastrophic for his team. And that's the thing. You have to be smart when you're playing the tough guy. And if you're a quarterback, you're supposed to have that smarts. And then you, like I said, you pick and choose, and maybe you do it also or in a game or, you know, a practice against another team, you kind of do that too. Not, not, not this way. Not when 900 grown men are piling on top of you. My God, 900. It just, uh, it, <laughs> the, the, the loaves and the fish, things are just multiplying. Um, it, well, you know where they almost had this sort of situation? And I think they might almost have it every day. Uh, is in Detroit, where where the old knee biter himself, Dan Campbell, uh, said that he wants to see his players go all the way to the point where it is almost an all-out brawl. Uh, after Amon Ross, St. Brown, and uh, Melifonwu got into a scuffle, uh, St. Brown, the rookie from USC, said he enjoyed the physical interaction. Well, yeah, yeah, but like that's basically what football is. That's physical interaction. Well, um, it's also been a COVID year. Maybe he just wants to be close to somebody. Ah, he just wanted to. Uh, he just wanted to feel the loving embrace of another human. Is that the idea, Jared? I mean, uh, don't, don't we all at this point <laughs> stay away? Fair. From the Jared. I'm not going to argue that. Stay, I'm not gonna stay argue on that. your side of the table, Jared. Right now, D- Dan Campbell is is fascinating. I. I He's he and Joe Judge really need to get some joint practices going between the Giants. Oh my gosh! No, because right, like, don't you, Doug? I I heard that. Like, don't you think that that would be perfect for these two teams? Like, instead of trying to kill each other in practice, they should try to kill another team in practice. Well, I will say this: that could be a pay per view, and also that would be better than some of the uh, fights we've seen recently on. TV. There might. I, I will say this: there would be more action than on some of the recent bouts we've seen televised. So, you know what? I'm all in, and then they'll have to just forfeit their first five games because, let's be honest, they'll have no players left would on that, either team. Would that be the highest-rated Detroit Lions game of the year? And do that on Thanksgiving rather than the game. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, we're just going to have the game. It's a joint practice between the Giants and the Detroit Lions. I love it. We're just it's all right. First person to swing a helmet that that all right. That guy has to sit out for five minutes. And then I want to hear this. I want to hear this. And there's 90 grown turkeys on the top of Daniel Jones. Well, I I think we got to find out from Ed Graney here momentarily if he thinks that the Raiders are going to be like this. If he thinks the Raiders are going to get in on this whole full brawl action, because I think John Gruden would love it. He'd call them all grinders. Well, I think most of them have retired recently. So, but I'll tell you what, we'll go out to beautiful Henderson, Nevada with Ed Graney coming up next live from Raiders training camp. Ed Graney has been a journalist for over 30 years. He's seen a lot of and been given a lot of free stuff. Oh, brother. All right, back to show and tell. Whether it was scurvy or a padre eating a Snickers bar. Why don't you bring this potato? You're always trying to give me potatoes. What is it with you? Ed Graney is here to show and tell. Doug Douglas here in the beautiful studios. Adam Candy remotely from somewhere in Henderson. And Ed Graney, we know exactly where in Henderson he is. He's at Raiders training camp. Ed, has everybody retired on the roster now? That's my number one Uh, question. Well, before I get to that, real quick, I've got to listen to that bit coming in more that Jared put together because I think there's a bad word and he bleeps it. But every time I hear it on the phone, I look at my phone to see someone's calling in. So I gotta I gotta listen to that more, but I think it's a bad word. Uh, but to answer your question, Mr. Marsh, no one has retired Mr. yet. Mr. Uh, Douglas, they, Mr. Douglas. Oh, 
Doug sorry. Douglas. Doug Douglas. I apologize. Uh, strike that. Uh, seven second delay. <laughs> Sam the Young, Theo Riddick, and James Olusawu so far is the are the only three who have retired. Although Olusawu has never made the team. But nobody yet. Uh, Adam Hill is patiently waiting for someone to do because if someone retires out here, it will lead our newspaper in clicks because everyone needs to know who retires. So no one yet. Um, I, I was thinking, you know, look, I mean, it's a, we, we, thought, we talked about like a practice the other day between Young and Riddick. You guys know it's a really hard game and you get to a certain age and you're paid a lot of money, but um, it's hard. And I think, you know, talking to some of the coaches, uh, those guys just ran out of gas. Like I said, a, a lot um, on a solid wasn't, he wasn't making the team, but yeah, I mean, I think they just ran out of gas and said, uh, that's it. I don't want to wake up at 5.30 and come out to the heat and practice anymore. So they hung it up. I commend well, him. I commend him. He's a man of advanced years. Yeah, and I mean, what are you going to do? I mean, it's just those guys played a while, and they probably made some good money. And hard game, man. I mean, people are like, oh, they get paid a lot. Yeah, well, they do get paid a lot, but come out to some of these practices and watch some of those games, and uh, it's, it's not easy to play in that league. And we saw the Giants yesterday get into all-out brawl mode. Daniel Jones was at the bottom of a pile, could have gotten himself killed. Yeah. Um, who do you think are the most likely to start this at the Raiders camp? And is there anything oh. that you guys can do to instigate this sort of thing? Because I feel like we need more action. That's a great question. Maybe trying to look around here. Well, Willie Ramirez would hold his own. Oh, you mean in the football team? I mean in the media. Oh, well, oh God, no, no, no. Do, uh, do not pick a fight with Willie. I, I yeah, know, because no, I, I think he has both the physical strength and the willingness to bite ankles that, that might come back to haunt everyone. I never fight start fights with people with no necks, and I don't think Willie has one, so <laughs> I don't fight people with no necks. Um, I'm trying to think. That's a great question. You know, incognito's kind of nasty on the offensive line. The defensive lineman, that's the funny thing. Like, we've talked to most of them in the camp, and while they're like, you know, they go hard in the field, and obviously they're like violent, you know, physical guys. Like they're like the nicest guys when they come in and talk to us. So that's kind of weird. I'll say incognito on the offensive line because he's pretty nasty. He probably gets little punches in on the bottom of piles. And then I'll say, I got to be honest with you, I'll say like one of the DBs because I think they have chips in their shoulders because they've been so bad that you know, and they have a lot to prove now to see if they can play. Whether it's Jonathan Abram, he was kind of short with us the other day, and. Trayvon Mullen and I think all those guys know kind of the you know the the X's on their backs now to like you know prove they should be on the field and prove they're any good so I'd take incognito in a fight if it was him against the DB but if you're asking on both sides of the ball I'd say a DB would start something well wait a second you got Tom Cable there coaching too uh you know well, he, <laughs> let's not let's not eliminate him <laughs> we we shouldn't um, uh, I don't think uh, Tom Cable should be punching anyone but, anymore, considering say, his uh, seven-second delay. Prepare a seven-second delay. Uh, I don't think so. I'll, hey, I'll, I'll stay with incognito. I'm, I'm wearing an auto jersey today. I can I can say whatever I want. <laughs> That's right. I didn't even get your name right, and you're my boss. So what do I? What the hell do I? Know? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, you did get my name right. But anyway, let's move on. Uh, Adam, please follow up question quickly. All right. Well, now that I know that. Willie Ramirez is there. I think I wouldn't ask the question in the first place, but fair, fair such as it is. Um, Jonathan Abram was short with you guys the other day. I'm, all right, tell me a, a little more about yeah. that, Ed, because well, Jonathan Abram uh, Jonathan Abram has a lot more to prove to you than you do to him. Yeah, I think he has. I mean, look, he was, you can't, like, fight numbers, and, and we're, you know, at least in the press box, I know for sure we're huge pro football-focused guys because we think they do a great job, and he was ranked as the worst safety in football. So, it's not like they missed that much last year. I mean, I guess you could miss like 10 spots, but you're not missing like 80. 
he wasn't very good or any good last year. So I know he reads that stuff. I'm sure he's been told that stuff. Um, he can't miss. He's very, you know, he's active on Twitter. I'm sure he reads and sees everything. And he's got a lot to prove. I mean, he was not good against the pass at all. So what they've done, I think, with Bradley is they kind of put him in the box safety role where, like, look, you're best against the run. We'll put you down here. Go downhill. Get to the line of scrimmage. Play the run. And we'll try to help you on the back end if, in fact, you have to cover somebody because he just hasn't proven at this point in his career he can cover many people. So, yeah, I mean, I think he thinks he's got a lot to prove. I think, you know, I think Trayvon Mullen's kind of had a trajectory where he's kind of gotten better, but he was in there yesterday. I think he thinks he has a lot to prove. There's not many on the defense that don't. I mean, as good as Corey Littleton was, you know, at his previous stop uh, with the Rams, um, he he wasn't very good, you know, last year. Nick Kwiatkowski actually was a pretty good player, but they have so many people on the defense that have to prove themselves. I'm not surprised that they, let's say, aren't overly talkative when they come in the media room. Offensive guys talk like crazy, but they were actually pretty good last year. Well, all right, Ed. A question that comes out of that then. So we're talking about adjusting Jonathan Abram's role, and then yeah. we're talking about adjusting Cleve Furl's role, right? John Gruden said earlier in camp that maybe his best role is inside pass rusher. Um, yeah. And I've heard a lot of talk in camp about adjusting Nick Kwiatkowski's role because maybe Tanner Muse is taking some snaps at starting linebacker in the base defense. So what do you think it is here with the – with the Raiders, do you think that there's any sort of admission of, hey, we might not have gotten this right? Or do you think this is just kind of a natural adjustment to Gus Bradley coming in and saying, all right, I think we need to reshuffle some pieces here? I mean, that's a great question because I think it's both. I mean, we, we kind of have fun about, you know, Gus Bradley being in the lab for like six straight months and watching film. But, you know, he had a lot of thoughts after watching film. And, you know, he's going to put his defense in there. And, you know, Tanner Muse didn't see him much at all last year. He has run with the ones in, in a base package a lot this week. Kwiatkowski will be an all-pro if Marcus Mariota gets to be the quarterback for the other team uh, because he <laughs> continues to throw him interceptions every day. And, and Kwiatkowski has more interceptions in this camp than his career. So I think Gus Bradley's like, look, you have not been good at defense in forever, so I'm going to come in. And I think Gruden gave him, you know, carte blanche, as he should. Like, look, if you're going to hire a guy as a coordinator and he wants to change stuff, then change stuff. I mean, I'm, I'm not a big guy at all at micromanaging. If you hire someone, let them do their job, and they'll, you know, they'll succeed or fail on their own. So I'm with you on that. I think it's twofold. I think that he probably said this guy, well, Abram's a great example. Why is he in coverage at all? We'll put him in the box. Uh, Kwiatkowski, you know, I like, you know, let's see Muse in the OTAs if, if Gus Bradley likes him. So I just think it's a combination. I think Gus Bradley's kind of putting his stamp on it, and that's going to mean guys moving around and guys we didn't see last year getting, you know, a, a fair shake in terms of playing time. So is this team on track, per se? Like, do you get the sense from the coaches that, that this team is where they want them to be. And the reason I asked that in particular is because we went through so much discussion about OTAs and about who's showing up and who's reporting and who's getting their bonus and talk about our players going to be left behind, et cetera, et cetera. Are, are you seeing any noticeable effects or heard anything from the coaching staff that that ended up causing any sort of issue for the team? No, and that's a great question because you remember when that happened and in NFLPA, you know, the suggestion of stay away and, that didn't really happen. Guys are like, look, especially with a team like the Raiders who haven't been in one playoff in 18 years, like, look, you got to be in there as much as possible. Um, I haven't seen that. I mean, you know, it's one day in pads. Obviously, the preseason games will tell more. You know, Gruden's always positive about everything. He, you know, the whole mantra of, like, all or nothing this year, I think it means different things to different people. Like, you know, Kwiatkowski said yesterday, well, you know, everyone, everyone starts the year wanting to win the Super Bowl. Maybe that's what it means. And Gruden says, well, to me, that means you just work your you-know-what off every day. So, you know, I think they are – 
I think, you know, they're positive. Look, if you're not positive first day in the pads in camp, then something's really wrong. So I think they think they're better. But to your point about did it have an effect, I don't think it did. And it's much like I wrote this morning about the COVID vaccines. I mean, everyone is on the same page now with COVID, and I don't think this is going to happen. But you see one game forfeited because of it, everyone won't be on the same page. Because if dudes start losing a paycheck and they start getting affected in the standings because a bunch of guys aren't vaccinated, you will see a huge shift in that locker room of, of pressure being put on guys. It's not there yet because they're not playing any games. But, you know, there's a sense on lead. You saw what Mike Zimmer said. Like, people are kind of getting frustrated because I think their fear is, what if this happens in the regular season? What if, you know, like Minnesota, four, three quarterbacks go down? So, you know, I kind of liken what you're saying in terms of not showing up for OTAs to the COVID thing where everyone's on the same page until it starts affecting your performance. And then when it starts affecting your performance, then guys aren't going to be on the same page. Everybody is watching here, uh, by the way, one quick thing. Everybody's watching here to talk about getting guys on the same page, right, and and what that means. What does it mean when John Gruden says that Henry Ruggs is anticipating instead of reacting? Um, I think he knows the offense better. I mean, I think, you know, if you saw him yesterday, yesterday was his best day at camp. Um, He was really good yesterday, and I just think that's a rookie who reacted last year because maybe he didn't know the scheme as well, and, you know, he wasn't having success that people thought he should have at his draft placement. And with a year of OTAs and offseason work that they didn't get last year because of COVID, I just think he's a lot more comfortable now. Let's see if he does it against Baltimore in the opener. I mean, I, I don't know. Um, all I know about Henry Ruggs is what I knew last year. He's fast. Jared will confirm that. This is our reporting on him. But if you're asking how he looks now compared to last year, he looks more comfortable. He's making more plays. Now, again, it's one day of pads, but he is making more plays every day. So I think all Gruden meant was we finally got an offseason conditioning uh, that we didn't have last year because of COVID, and he's just a lot more comfortable in what he's supposed to do every play. I genuinely was going to ask about uh, the the Twitter storm of "Whoa, look at Henry Ruggs catching all yeah. these passes." Yes, <laughs> is is that just we're out here and we we all have to get something for Twitter, or is it was is it has it been that impressive? But you no, he's been it. impressive. But I'm with you on that because it's like, well, I don't know if on that play anyone was defending him. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, he's been impressive. He was impressive in pads yesterday. He actually beat a few guys uh, on go routes yesterday where he, you know, car, car, I'll tell you what, thing. I'll, I'll say this that we haven't talked a lot about, and I'm seeing him do it right now. Derek Carr is throwing the you-know-what out of the ball. He is as accurate as I think I've ever seen him. So he looks really good, and I think that's going to help his receivers. But you're right. I mean, look, when you're out here, and it's every day, and they don't really do much in terms of physicality because, like we talked yesterday, they're, you know, like any NFL team, they're scared to death someone will get hurt. You kind of have to look really hard for stuff to report back. So if Henry Ruggs catches a ball, even though no one's defending him, and you get it on film, you got to put that out there on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, it's either if a tree falls in the woods, you know, yeah. it happen if it didn't happen yeah. on Twitter, right? Exactly. Ed, you didn't report whether with the excessive heat warning going on, are you inside or outside? That was your lead yesterday that you yes. were inside air-conditioned comfort. Yeah, I buried the lead. We're we're always we're now we're indoors for 15 minutes where they stretch and they're going through some drills right now. That's why I keep seeing Carr like with these throws that are really impressive. In about well, right when I get off with you guys, uh, the PR people will line us up as straight as statues and march us out to the oven. That is the outside where they'll go till about nine thirty. So they give these guys about fifteen minutes indoors, and then it's out to the grass. Well, now, and I did see where Gruden was saying that you know the facilities and everything, and with players moving here, that it 
Wow, there we go. <laughs> Is that, we go. Does that mean no. it's time to go outside? That's, they're going outside, and I know where Doug's going. It's a great point, and I don't know if it's – look, I think probably every NFL team has some good facility. Wait, is that Drake? Is that Drake? Hold on. Um, <laughs> Adam, is that Drake? No, Adam's telling me it's not Drake. I think the facilities mean something, Doug, but I think the taxes mean more. Like, if I'm John Gruden trying to sell a free agent uh, with as you know as little as these guys, their, their careers last with the money, I'm selling the taxes, and then I'm selling the facility. It's really nice. But I can't believe most NFL teams like don't have nice locker rooms. That would be weird. So I think it's more, hey, we're going to sell that you guys aren't going to have to pay as much out of your check. Ed, was that horn another Marcus Mariota interception by Nick Kwiatkowski? Is that no, what they do? That was not. That was not. Um, it was, uh, guys, uh, get some water because uh, you're headed outside. But uh, I don't know why the music hasn't played until now. They're serious here at Raider Camp, guys. They're ready to go. 17-game schedule. Enjoy enjoy the warm weather. Uh, <laughs> you are back in studio tomorrow. I know I look forward to that. Until then, Ed, thank you very much. Live from Bye. the Intermountain Healthcare Raiders headquarters. Ed Graney, everyone, bravo. <laughs> Coming up next, it's Reffin' Around with Adam Candy. We're going to stump the ref. might have seen him at your local YMCA arguing with a U-12 coach. Let's tee it up with Adam. Wait, it's a ref segment? Wouldn't it make more sense if it was a golf segment? Whatever. Let's tee it up with Adam Candy. Oh, yes. Back on the press box, Doug Douglas, Adam Candy filling in for Tyler and Ed today. Ed will be back tomorrow, but first... There you go. Now I know the name of this segment. Thanks a lot, Jared. Now, I, I saw something yesterday, and this is in the world of baseball, Adam. So I know, you know, you don't really tee people up in baseball. So now I might be off base, so to speak. But did you see last night in the Giants-Diamondbacks game? And I have actually called many games for UNLV baseball, and I have never seen this in my life. Let me see. I'll put you and Jared on the spot, as I do now know the answer. A catcher, the Giants catcher, Kurt Casale, covered the ball with his mask yeah that's uh i i have worked baseball before that's interference uh you, you're not allowed to do that uh you're not allowed to use the equipment uh to stop the ball uh it was weird to see because if you watch the play he really didn't need no. to do it <laughs> right. like the, the ball, ball was right there well i think it was just inadvertent but just for people who don't know what that is that's considered a yeah it's a catcher's balk and the base runners move up 90 feet i was like wow and you're exactly right it wasn't like he was swatting at a ball that was moving to the backstop it was basically the ball was sitting there and he just kind of laid his mask right on top of it so i i must admit i had never seen that before so that well done adam well done Okay, I'm I'm off to a hot start, but I know Jared probably has something uh, more dastardly cooked up here. So here we go. Okay, so I recently learned that if your shoe falls off during a basketball game, that is not like they don't stop play. There's nothing like there is no nothing happens if the shoe like if your shoe falls off. But in addition, you're apparently as the opponent allowed to like take their shoe and there's no rule against it. At what point would you have to have malicious intent with a shoe that you're a, that one, t- like, let's say one player 
shoe falls off and a member of the other team takes it and chucks it into the crowd. At what point do you go, okay, well, that's too much. Okay, so basically you're trying to come up with some Lance Stevenson questions here, right? Like you're, you're trying to come up with some idea of the ultimate troll on the court trying to make something happen for his team. All right, all right. So you, referees do not divine intent. That's the one thing you need to understand. And the one thing that I think people fail to understand in general is that when you see something happen elsewhere on the basketball court in particular or in any sport, you're not trying to figure out, did he mean to hurt him or not? Did he mean to pull his shoe off? No, no, it's, it's did you do that? Because trying to figure out intent is trying to get inside someone's head. You, you can't do it. So in that case, uh, the one you just brought up, Jared, if the shoe is on the court, and a guy chucks it into the crowd, then, yeah, you might look at it and say, don't do that. Uh, you're probably <laughs> not going to tee him up unless he takes the shoe and, like, tries to hide it somewhere so that he can't get it back again. And you think that, all right, you're really trying to mess with the guy now. But in general, that's one of those things where if there's a shoe in the middle of the court, you're probably going to go, like, full Austin Powers and be like, who leaves a shoe in the middle of the court? And then say to yourself all right well do what you gotta do to get rid of it well and first of all is a you could trip on that shoe so if you're a basketball player and it's not your shoe i mean i think there would be legitimate reasons why you would pick that shoe up and chuck it off the court right it's, i mean now i'm going into intent but i'm not a ref so i guess that's okay all right so then my my next question is adam candy what is the most egregious tea you've ever like given somebody like, what is the most like, okay, that's a tech. Oh, okay. So here's here's a good story. Um, I will not name the local high school that this happened at, but it was a local high school game. Right, and the story Gorman. just, it was not a Gorman game. The story jumps right out at me because it was just, it was a moment that shocked me so much that I didn't exactly know what to do. So uh, there was a coach, it was, I believe, a varsity girls basketball game. And the coach is at the other end of the floor for me. And he thinks that a play should have been, uh, I think it's a travel. I think he wanted a traveling call. Now, this guy had been grinding on me all game long. It had been nothing that was egregious enough to have to call a technical foul. But he's one of these guys who you feel like he has just thrown a saddle on your back. And he is going to ride every small thing that he can say to you. And usually do it quietly enough that, you know, you can't just throw a tee at him you can warn him and try to calm him down which i had already done um but now we're at the opposite end of the court and he's two steps onto the court trying to do the travel signal and i'm like all right that's enough um so uh you know in in referee terminology i whack him um yeah i give him the technical foul and so he looks at me and kind of like has the the shocked reaction big face and the shoulders go back and this and that and and you know what he does? He teased me back. <laughs> nice. He teased me back, and I thought to myself, all right, well, this is a competition because the first one to two technical fouls has to leave the game, and I thought, well, I guess I'm going to have to respond by giving you your second. This all happened within 10 seconds, and then he claimed later he didn't remember doing it. Bro, it's on video. You teed the ref. You can't tee the ref. The ref tees you. That's the way it works, buddy. You can't tee me. So I tee you twice. Goodbye. Front page coming up next.